And welcome back. It's Locked On Chiefs. Another day closer to Chiefs training camp. We're going to get you there, and we have a lot to talk about. As you heard us start yesterday, the Chiefs' keystones, the players that have to have productive seasons for them to be in the hunt, let's put it, is definitely where we're going to start talking uh, and continue the deep discussion about maybe the, the eight or ten players that have to be there in order for this to come down. We're going to continue that here today. Welcome to Locked On Chiefs. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast. Okay, I am excited. We covered the offensive line and estimations from outside the organization on Monday. Give you a couple of guys yesterday that you need to go back and listen to if you're not Already done with that episode, and today we're going to specify, that is a term that I just made up, yep, Um, we're going to specify exactly what has to be done by whom in in order to keep what are the bigger, I think, season goals intact, and one of those is, I think, probably the priority amongst anything else is keeping Patrick Mahomes healthy enough so that he doesn't miss a single game, well, maybe a single game, week 17. He's got to play 16 regular season games, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think that that's what you have to want. And honestly, you've got to hope that he doesn't really miss a snap. Um, I mean, you can say, you know, garbage time, you know, take him out, whatever. I'm fine with that. But you got to hope that he's not missing snaps throughout the season. Uh, just being able to start all 16 games or 17 games isn't really the goal anymore. Yeah, it, it is much longer. We're talking 20 games. There's a 20-game target this year. And to be able to make that, he's got to be available. And so I know the guy that you're most interested in seeing and that you feel has the biggest role in this. For me, it is about not only the effort to go and get Orlando Brown, but the level that he plays at. And quite frankly, he has to have a pillar season for this roster because he's about to get paid. They're about to make a huge investment in him. And after this trade, there's no way that they can't look at that. Like from a a front office perspective, that has to be a long-term stone that they can build the rest of that offensive foundation on to pair with Patrick for the next 10 years. I would agree with that. I I don't know that I would go as far as saying 10 years. I do think that, you know, maybe seven, eight, uh, Mm -hmm. but, you know, he'll be up there when you get into the 10 range. I I think you look at Orlando Brown, I think that he has the ability to be a top five tackle in this league. Mm -hmm. Uh, The question is, is, is he going to reach that? Uh, ceiling this this season, or is it going to be something he's going to continue striving for in the end of the future? But if he doesn't have that type of season, he's not going to get the contract that he's going to want. And that's really the key there is Kansas City basically holds his rights at this point because they will franchise him if they have to. Yes. And, and mm-hmm. I don't think that they want to. I think it comes down to if they can get it done, if they see enough of the transition, and let's let's not beat around the bush. This is a transition for him. Absolutely. As good as he is. Now, it's funny because maybe we should take a step back and, and we'll get to that transition in a second uh, after we visit our friends. But l- let's talk about this, though, because a lot of folks are going to say there's a difference in making a positional change as well as a team change before Orlando Brown because of his experience. Playing on both the left and the right sides, I don't see that as even a factor in this discussion for me. 
I think it plays a little bit of a factor, but the other issue that you're running into, and, and this is where it's going to be a bigger issue, is that you're going from a offense that was predicated on the run to an offense that's easily going to be predicated on the pass. And so you have to be able to transition from one of those roles to the other. And the question is, is can he? And I think he can, but it's going to be a lot different than it would have been if he was in Baltimore playing left tackle for Baltimore for the next you know, eight years. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what we have to discuss in the next segment is the the steps that have to go into making that transition. But for you, you're not you're not concerned, are you, in any way that playing full time left is is what he is going to do? I don't think that there's any question in my mind that he's going to be a full time left tackle. The question I have is how does this transition into Kansas City's offense, and how does it change what they're wanting to do on offense? Because he's a different type of player than Fisher was. He's not going to be the guy that's thirty yards down the field. Uh, blocking somebody like Fisher was right. Yeah, that that's that's something I think is probably a thing of the past in terms of seeing that on film any longer. Uh, I mean, and nothing against the other athletes that they have. Tooney's pretty athletic. Uh, Humphrey's pretty athletic, but I don't see either of those guys who are probably I would say the best in terms of athleticism being anywhere close to being what you saw from Fisher downfield. Right, and that's okay. You just have to realize that it's not going to happen. Yeah, uh, they bring other things to the table that are better than what Fisher brought. So it's a trade-off. It it absolutely is. And this year, Orlando Brown is three point three in his base salary. I believe that's his cap number as well. So you have that room, but it's going to be big next season, and it's going to really be determined, I think, on the level of his play in making the transition that we're going to talk about coming up next. Um, and I'm not going to bet against him whether it's on Bet Online AG or not. But they are the easiest and fastest way for you to get all your action laid on and making money for you. Get all the latest odds from everything that you want to see, even some of the smaller things. There's lines on Olympic races right now, and I think that's going to be interesting as well as as some of those things are starting to get pretty hairy. Um, USA Basketball will wake up eventually, I think. I'm not sure. Um, But before the next tip-off for them or anybody else, uh, make sure you get all the news the sign-up bonuses and all the contest information over at betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines. This is your chance to get in there with your tablet, phone, whatever, and get a 50% discount, actually a deposit bonus, not a discount. Uh, when you use our promo code LOCKEDON, you get 50% on top of what you deposit with betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. So the transition for Orlando Brown is very specific in my mind, but, but you said it, I think, in a nice way that kind of lays it all out. What the offense in Baltimore was, was run heavy. It was, it was run first and it was run specific. And I think power specific was what they asked the most of him. I know they, everybody does a little bit of everything, but when you see what they were successful at, I think it was the power aspect of the game for Orlando Brown. Well, it was power, but it was also a situation where Lamar Jackson was, don't get me wrong. He was looking to pass the ball. But there was also a known threat of running at all times. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying you're not going to have that with Patrick, but you're not going to have it to the same extent. Uh, I mean, I'll never forget his, his Patrick's comments uh, in the snow game a couple of years ago saying, you know, this is my best Lamar. That was my best Lamar. Uh, he does well. I mean, he moves well. He, he gets around the pocket. He can move around to, to you know, continue plays and to give – them the ability to make plays downfield. So, but he's not looking really to run generally. I mean, if it's a cere- cerebral play and it's third down and five, 
and they go in man coverage and everybody vacates, he's going to take the first down with his legs. Mm -hmm. He's smart enough to do that. That's the type of player he is. But he's also not a guy that's going to try to get 15 yards running if he can get 15 yards passing. And I don't know that I would say that with Lamar. Yeah, I think that's probably accurate. Although the Titans might argue with you with that little like uh, kind of led up step that he wrangled all the way down to the end zone with. But that was that, a different play. It was. <clears throat> it, it's in his playbook, though. Like he has that in the tool belt if he has to pull it out. Whereas, like you said, Lamar's going to look to do that first. Well, in that specific play, he was looking for the sideline, and then he realized that there was no need for him to step out. Right. So to me, that was really the big difference in that play. And I think that's where he acceler- where he excels the most is he gets as many yards as he can when he takes off on his feet, but he's not going to take the big hits. Well, he's and that rope shows his situational awareness. Yeah, absolutely. So that he, that he can maximize those opportunities. And while he will take some of those, Orlando's not going to have the same kind of concept here. And so for me, it's it's two things in particular. It's being able in the run game that is not going to be emphasized. We all know that. That Orlando's got to be able to hit his blocks quickly and accurately. It's not as much about making contact and driving as much. It's not as, in my opinion, as much about trying to power through someone. And then I don't mean like a power block in particular, but latching on, getting a drive on somebody so that Lamar can then make his choice. Right. For him, it's much more about getting positional so that when Patrick breaks the pocket, Patrick's going to do what he does. And it isn't as dependent other than the guy sitting on the corner making sure that he's not getting pursued from the inside. Right. And the other side, the other thing that he's going to need to make sure that he's working on as well is he needs to make sure that he gets, he hits the guy in the gut. So the hands come down. Mm-hmm. You don't want the hands to be up. If you're an outside or, or if you're a tackle, you don't want their hands to be up because that'll result in bad passes. Uh, so that's something he's also got to be working on and he's got to be ready for, for the season. Yeah. And now we've heard them talk about, especially when in reference to Lucas Yang, and we, we heard, if you guys missed it, the interview with Brett Yaris about what the sets look like. And for Niang, it's much different because he comes from the opposite, from a spread offense in college, one that was nearly all vertical sets, trying to get depth as the play progressed. Whereas Orlando, coming from what he did in Baltimore, was nearly flat. It was a lot of power steps to the sides, getting angles from there, uh, being in better positional and not giving up that ground because Lamar wasn't dropping back 10 yards. It's, it's a different way to do it. And I think, honestly, from, from what I've done just film-wise over the years, it, the vast majority are somewhere between a 45 set and a vertical set for the Chiefs. I, I, it's going to be a transition for him. That's the one thing that I think might give him um, any reason to not like match his level of play in Baltimore. It might take a little bit to get into this offense setting that way. Well, yeah, lateral, lateral agility is going to become huge but you think that Kansas City would have already had to take that into account. And you also have to figure that Andy Reid is going to tailor his offense to his player's strengths a little bit, so he's not going to put him in a, in a situation where he has to be a vertical drop. Uh, because that's not going to be the way Orlando Brown would be at his best. 45-degree drop is probably the most that you want him to be doing, and at that point, you're still a lot different than you would be uh, you know, from more of a vertical drop, which Eric Fisher can do okay because he can move his feet and he has the lateral agility to do that. Brown isn't going to have that. So you have to tailor your offense and take your shots and design different plays to take advantage of that, of what Brown can do. 
And as, as long as you're getting the player block, that's what it comes down to. Because right. we saw Eric Fisher make some some jump steps to try to get horizontal, and it ended up hurting him. Nick Bosa in the Super Bowl in particular it stands mm-hmm. out in some of those sets. So that that said, when you do have to try to do that, or Orlando's got a, a version of that that is already leaps and bounds ahead of what we saw from Fisher in that set. So maybe there's an adaptation that Andy Heck is going to go through about the timing of what goes where. And I think it's going to be very positionally dependent on who the opposition is. He's going to have to do different things against Bradley Chubb than he is against Clowney or whoever else he may see this particular season. Um, and I think that's the the truth of what the modern NFL is. It is all about the matchup each week. No, absolutely. You're not going to be able to do the same thing week in and week out. That's just not the way it works in the NFL. So I do agree with you in that, and I do think that that's going to be playing into how this is going to get done. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see how Andy Reid tailors his offense to take advantage of what Brown can do well. Yeah, it'll be a challenge for him, I'm sure, but I'm looking forward to it. And he's not the only guy on this offensive line that is going to have that challenge. There's another Keystone player that's in this group. We're going to get to them next. Do you ever look for a protein bar that you just really enjoy eating as opposed to just something that tastes like chalk? Because I've had plenty of those. That is not what Bill Bar is. Ryan is showing them off right now. Thank you so much. Nine different flavors, coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. There is something there for everybody. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you get two of each of the nine flavors. 17 grams of protein, 17 to 18 grams of protein, 130 to 180 calories, five, four to five grams of sugar or net carbs in each bar. Go order it today and try the raspberry and the mint brownie or whatever you like. They're very tasty. They're very healthy as well. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCKS15. You'll get 15% off your first order. Go to built.com and get, and use promo code LOCKS15 for 15% off your first order at built.com. Yes, I will. Thank you very much. So I want you to enlighten us as to if there's a keystone player on that offensive line that isn't Orlando Brown, who is it? I still think it's Creed Humphrey. And the reason I say it's Creed Humphrey is because you sit there and you look at what Kansas City struggled with for years, and it has been the interior of the offensive line. It has been a weakness for Kansas City ever since Mitch Morse left. And honestly, even with Mitch Mitch Morse at times, it was still a weakness because Morse wasn't the power guy that you really needed to get some of the yardage that Kansas City has always struggled with. They've always struggled in third and, and short type situations or second and short type situations where you should be able to easily run for a first down. And yet they have a player like Clyde Edwards Delaire and they still can't get it done. Mm -hmm. So to me, I think Creed Humphrey is a huge piece on the offensive line because he's a big upgrade at center and he's going to be a guy that's stepping into a starting role for Patrick. And hopefully he's going to be a starting guy for Patrick for the next 10 years. And they're going to get on the same page this year. And it's going to be something that you're going to see Continue to build year after year after year after year. Yeah, it's going to be important <clears throat> to the point that it may be the the one thing that slows the offense initially in the all in the early part of the season. We never really saw a, a ton of of bad snaps or exchanges between Mahomes and Ryder. Um, it seems that Mahomes adapts to his center pretty quickly. Uh, we've seen a couple of injuries there um, over the last couple of seasons, but I I don't think that this is 
as much on Creed Humphrey as as it is a help from Patrick Mahomes being able to adapt to who he's getting the snaps from. I see this being something that uh, actually gets developed pretty quickly, and I don't think they're going to miss a beat. Yeah, no, I don't think they're going to miss a beat either. I think that by the time you get into training camp and by the time the other players report next week, I think that these two will be on the same page, and you'll continue to see chemistry building between Mahomes and Humphrey. And then you're also going to be seeing Humphrey taking over the role of making all the calls on the offensive line, and that's huge. Mm-hmm. That's a big role to step into, and that's a lot. It's something that a lot of people don't give centers credit for. They are somewhat the captains of that offensive line, and they're always taking control in that aspect. And, and that's what they have to have. Yep. There's no way around that. <clears throat> There's a number of things too that, because of his experience, and because he will be the guy making those calls. Yes, he's going to have support. Uh, my guess is, like we talked about on Monday, it's unlikely that Trey Smith starts with him early in the season. We both think he will eventually. But he's going to have a veteran with a lot of experience on his right side. He's going to have Joe Tooney that I think is going to be uh, with him every step of the way on the left side. So those two things allow him, I think, the the support to be able to hit the ground running. He's a smart guy. He's an athletic guy. His skills in terms of wrestling background, I think, are what's really going to pay off for him. And this is a guy that has to have a good season because if if he doesn't, they can go to the backup, but I think that limits the athletic upside. That limits some of the things that they want to do. And yeah. if he does, if he has a poor performance in a way that actually leads to an injury for Patrick Mahomes, that could derail the entire season. Yeah, definitely could. And a a gap pressure is the one thing that you don't want as an offensive coordinator. The one thing you don't want the most is a gap pressure and. That is some place that the Kansas City Chiefs have continued to struggle year in and year out, and it begins with the center position. And to me, that is why this is so key. If Humphrey can come in and just be above average, which is, I think, I'm not going to say leaps and bounds, but it's a pretty large step over what Ryder has been in the past several years, I think that they're going to be in a much better position, and you won't see the A-gap pressure as much. Yeah, I'm not going to say he's not going to mess up. He's mm-hmm. going to be a rookie. He's got to learn, and you're going to have twists and stunts that get the line fooled, and that's going to happen from time to time. But the question is, is can he recover? I think he has the ability to recover a lot better than a guy like Ryder did. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. <clears throat> and that recovery is going to be something that goes back to him over and over, and it's going to be, I think, when I look at the the schedule coming up, I think the Broncos have a, a defensive front that, might be able to give them some issues. Um, they're mm-hmm. certainly athletic enough. I think the Titans likely on the inside are going to be athletic enough to give them some trouble. You know, there are going to certainly be spots where I think the pressure will be on a little bit more because he might have one of the premier matchups that particular week. That's possible. And then you also look at the thing that we never talk about when it comes to the center quarterback exchange is shotgun snaps. Mm-hmm. How's he going to do in that? You would think he's going to do fine. Uh, he did that enough in college. But, you know, that's something that he's got to make sure he's got 100 out of 100 that are hitting Mahomes where he expects it. You're right, but I will say this. Uh, it, <laughs> shotgun snapping to Kyler Murray is a lot different target spot than that's it true. is for Patrick Mahomes. No, you're absolutely right. And honestly, that is, that is a great point. Again, it comes down to just knowing who <laughs> excuse me, knowing who your guy is and being able to get that down. And I'm sure that they've already been working on it. I'm sure it's something that they're doing multiple repetitions on, on a weekly basis. And I guarantee you that will be 
I, I, I guess I won't say I'll guarantee it'll be rock solid. I will just say that I expect that that's not going to be an issue for Kansas City this season. I'm not going to say there's not going to be a mistake or two there. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a rookie, you would expect that there's going to be some point that he is, you know, trying to think on his feet and, and, and setting protections and then misses a snap. I would think that that's probably going to happen. But I still think that his upside has the ability to give Kansas City something they haven't had at center for years. I, I agree. <clears throat> and, and I will even say this to you. I, I wonder how you feel about this. In my opinion, Creed Humphrey has to have the best year of this rookie class in order for the team to be successful based on how much we expect him to play and what his role is going to be. Ooh, I would say that's probably accurate. I think the argument could be made, though, though I guess I'll, I'll caveat it with this. Powell, I think, has an opportunity. The question is, is how quickly can he acclimate to the team? And how quickly can he acclimate to the NFL? And how quickly can he acclimate to this offense? Uh, but he may end up getting more accolades because of what he has the ability to do on the field. We'll just have to see. But I agree with you. Humphrey has to be successful for Kansas City to go where they want. Yeah. Okay. I'll be really well, interested okay. to see. <laughs> I, I just want to say, he to me, he doesn't have to have like a Pro Bowl season. No. He just has to be better or at least as good as what Ryder was. If he can do that, they'll be fine. And I don't think that's going to be an issue. I think it's if he has the best year of a rookie, it's possible that being better than Ryder is all that's going to take. But I could see a couple of the rookies on this team making names for themselves later in the year if you know injuries occur or they're able to step into certain roles on this team and they thrive. Yeah, and that's fair. And I will say this, like we've seen in the, in the past couple of classes, you need one guy. He doesn't have to be a pro bowler, like you said, but he needs to to be, as a rookie, one guy that stands out as a legitimate starting level caliber player, like we got from Juan Thornhill in his rookie year, like we got from Legereus Need in his rookie year. There's got to be one in this class. I don't think that Nick Bolton's going to have as much opportunity as Creed Humphrey is, so it's got to be Humphrey, in my opinion, unless... I like that you brought up Powell. I would I would give you this twist too. If Andy goes all in on H, Noah Gray might be a guy that has to have a good season as well. No, and that's possible as well. Yeah, Powell is one, Gray is another. I and I understand what you're saying about Bolton, and I agree with you. The one caveat on that is is does Hitchens stay healthy this season? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. If he doesn't stay healthy, Bolton could be on the field a ton, and if that happens, then he may end up having to have a great year for Kansas City to be anything because he'd be in a position where he needs to be extremely relevant on a weekly basis. Yeah, I, I would say this. If Hitchens is is has an injury that puts him out for the season any time before the bye, I would say Nick Bolton then becomes the guy that has to have the best season of the rookie class in order for them to be successful. Fair enough. We want to know what you guys think, so hit us at Locked on Chiefs on Twitter. Put it in the iTunes reviews. Let us know what you think of the show, the new format, the fact that we're simulcasting on YouTube and audio. Let us know what you guys think of that. And please like and sub over on the YouTube channel at Locked on Chiefs. We appreciate your time in listening, watching, and thinking about what we're saying. We'll definitely be back with you tomorrow with Matt Derrick, and we'll wrap up the week as quarterback get ready to show up and start throwing the ball around. We'll be back with you on Friday as well. Thanks for listening today. We'll talk to you next time. Ryan Tracy is the founder of Rogue Analytics and the host of RGR Football on YouTube. Follow him there. 
Chris Clark is a senior analyst at ChiefsDigest.com where you can get his work. Rate and review at Apple Podcasts and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Thank you for listening.